Mars ain't the kind of place to raise your kids. Oh, hello. Welcome to Sideways. You just caught me uh, cleaning out the pipes a bit there, which is a bit of a coincidence because this week we're talking about Elton John, Rocket Man. It's blowing a gale out there tonight. It's pretty wild, isn't it? Are you reading your notes? Yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> Are you recording me reading my notes? Yeah. It doesn't make good radio, does it? doesn't it? make good radio. I'm just going through it so I can get myself straight before I start. <laughs> Shall I chat amongst myself? Chat, yeah, yeah, please do. Okay. You can do You can, yeah. I could go and cut some courgettes up. Listen to that wind. Oh, it's evil, isn't it? Crazy. Okay, I think I'm roughly in a position to tell. I have to, I have to wing it a little bit, I suppose. But uh, did, I, did, did you feel rushed there? I did. Yeah, I did, wasn't Excellent. taking. I wasn't taking it in at the end. <laughs> I was just going through the motions. Mm. But I think I've got the. Uh, I've got it. Are you roughly. feeling under pressure? Yeah. Were you? Yeah, very much so. Mm. That's probably good for you. Actually, I did start to. Uh, I did start to do my next one as well. My oh, well, don't worry about that now. No, we're okay. Right. So. Um, what are we talking about? What I want to talk to you today about is um, Elton John. Okay. I, just, I don't want to just go into talking about Elton John because everyone knows about Elton John. Are you going to liken yourself to but him? No, I'm not. Not particularly, <laughs> apart from the fact he's a fellow he's a fellow addict. Yeah. And there was a lot of stuff came up on his his interview. I don't know if you saw it on television with Graham Norton. I didn't. Um, and there's a lot of stuff come up on there because he was being um, quite open about his... his um, his battle with 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 addiction, mm-hmm. and so I thought that uh, I'd just go through some of those bits and pieces because I'm related to a lot of it, and I'm sure that the people that have addiction problems that are going to listen to this will be able to relate to it as well. Okay, um, so you I thought you can't, it sounds like you don't really need me here today. <laughs> uh, no, please please feel free to fill in when you when you feel necessary. I'd perhaps do a couple of choruses. <laughs> I'm, happy, it, I'm happier on my own, but you know, if you if you want to spoil this one, yeah, feel free. Oh, mate. Feel you free. won't even know I'm here. Uh, do, what's um, what's out in John's real name then? Just, just uh, Reg Dwight. Reg Dwight. What's his middle name? What was his? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Colin? Reginald Kenneth Dwight. Kenneth? That was my dad's name. dad's name, yes. Which is interesting because my dad um, was completely teetotal. Was he? Yeah. I do not, I never knew that. Obviously, I knew your father for many years, but I didn't know that he was, he had, uh, he was was a teetotal. Never, never imbibed at all. From day one? Well, I don't know if he ever had in the past, but I don't ever remember him drinking. Um, So he's very different from Elton John. And my brother also teetotal. He's teetotal, and you are as well. You're well, I'm not teetotal, am I? Close to, aren't you? Yeah, it's a struggle to finish a bottle of beer these days. Yeah, yeah. Which is very different from the way I used to be. It, very much so. Yeah, I remember yeah. those days well. I just sort of carried on from from that starting yeah, point we had. You didn't really grow up, did you? Like Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike your dad, um, I'm sure your dad didn't. Um, he didn't change his name, did he? Not as to, not, to Elton John, right? But as far as I'm aware, Elton John had a, he, he he gave himself a new middle name as well. Do you know what that one was or, or is? No, it's Elton Hercules John. Why Hercules? Yeah, Hercules well, it's named after the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I, I can't it, think of anyone who's less uh, like Hercules. Uh, well, no, no, it's, it's named after the uh, horse in Steptoe and Son. <laughs> yes, that's, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. I thought uh, it, it came up when I was. Uh, 
when I was just researching this. Um, yeah, I can see you've done a thorough job. I have, I think right. so. But I think what was interesting about that Elton John interview was that he said that it was, you know, considering where he's come from and how much global success, I mean, he's known throughout the world now, but he said there's three major events that really shaped him mm. and, and continues to shape him. The first was meeting uh, Bernie Taupin, who yeah. we all know was uh, a he's great... A lyricist. He's a lyricist and a great collaborator on all of his greatest hits, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the second point, and this, were, this wasn't in any particular order, but there was another point he said was, was meeting his husband, David Furnish. Right. Um, which gave him, gave him great joy. And, and the third point he mentioned was getting sober. Mm. So considering everything that's happened to to Elton John, uh, uh, he ranks getting sober that highly. Wow. And, I, and I can, I can, you know, I can vouch for that. It, is, it was a major, major impact upon my life. And sure, surely, um, as I said, I didn't see the interview, so I don't know what he said, but I would imagine that getting sober gives you the ability to see life in a way that hitherto you haven't been able to. Uh, totally, and I suspect that getting sober enabled him to look back upon his life and see those two momentous occasions that happened yeah. um, uh, and put them in perspective, really. Yeah. Um, I suspect he felt like you did, that he had lots of memories that were fuzzy. Fuzzy, yeah, sure. I suspect yeah. he and David Furnish regard them as his lost years, don't they? <laughs> well, as I, as I do mine, yeah, they're very much so. But it's actually, it was one thing he did forget to mention, yeah. which I think should have made his, certainly his top five, yeah. um, the, the fact he used to be a musician on those old Top of the Pops records. Do you remember those? Yeah, I do, yeah. Do you remember those which were really, really bad cover versions? Yeah, you always used to buy uh, the, the Top of the Pops album thinking, this is fantastic, it's like 50p, yeah. and it's got all the greatest hits on yeah. it, and you listen to them, they're absolutely terrible. And they're absolutely crap. But he was, yeah, he was. He started off on that, and it's. Um, he, mentioned, he mentioned that very briefly, and he sort of skipped over it. Understandably. It's outrageous. Yeah, I remember I had one of those Top of the Pops records, and it had the laughing gnome <laughs> on it. It was the, possibly the worst <laughs> cover worst version you've ever heard. Well, the original was pretty crap anyway, exactly, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's how you can make a terrible song even worse. Even worse. Well, I mean, I think he's, you know, Elton John, you know, hats off to him. He's 29 years sober now. And, you know, he, he said he'd spent 16 years on hard dr- hard drugs and drinking. Mm. So 16 years is quite, is quite a long time. Yeah. It's quite a long time to be flat out on it and then and then turn it around. What he did mention, actually, which sort of dates it a little bit, was that he used to get involved in, in speed drinking. And I relate to this. I relate to the speed drinking aspect where when you first um, – I used to find when I first got up in the morning or at uh, some point when the, when the cravings came along, you would, you'd speed drink. You'd speed drink a lot. Uh, quickly just to get it because you need it in your system to, to stop the shakes and stop the sweats etc but he mentioned that he did he drank six martinis in half an hour <clears throat> I mean wow. I mean, no one drinks martini anymore <laughs> do they that's what struck me it wasn't the amount that he drank I thought that was pretty normal but was it martini rosso oh, he didn't, think, he didn't or, go into any or bianco he didn't go into <laughs> <laughs> I'd have preferred bianco I'd, myself I can't remember the difference between the two I know that's both pretty foul was, was, was there it a, red and white was there was a that? martini bianco I don't know it makes sense. Was well, it Cinzano Bianco? Cinzano Bianco. They're all, all the same. They're all for the Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either, either, yeah, it's it, quite unusual, <clears> isn't it, to have an alcoholic's um, favoured tipple to be uh, yeah. vermouth. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why it ages it somewhat, because as we know, the discerning alcoholic in today's... Uh, vodka. It's vodka. Yeah. You know, it's like getting hammered on baby sham. <laughs> it is, really. But he, he went from that on to um, a, bottle or a bottle and a half up to two bottles of whiskey a day. So he still, okay, he, he, still, yeah. he still had a bit of a taste for some of the, the, the single malts and that sort of thing, but he obviously he had... He drank good whiskey, <clears throat> did he? Drank, 
James yeah, Bond on behalf of Goodwin. Yes, he did. Well, he had <laughs> the resources to do that. Yes, he did. Yeah, which we know that uh, you know having money is is a great enabler. But he was, in, he was which he, he also it still enables him. Um, he still refers to his his shopping sprees as a, as an addiction. Yeah, well, I, that's they are, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. He's got he's, hasn't he got a great fondness for fresh flowers? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think he spends you know forty to fifty grand at a time, doesn't he? On flowers, on flowers. Yeah, yeah. Which is quite a lot. That is quite a lot. But he does have the, does the financial have the backup to do it. To do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it does. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's the, the, regarding the. Um, you know the, the whiskey and and the, and that sort of thing. It's always used to remind me as a, as a child, um, my, my dad's um, the, the cabinet. You know the cocktail cabinet, and, <laughs> yeah, in, the, and yeah. in there there would be, you know, there'd be all these different uh, different drinks that I'd never really heard of, and they'd stay there from year on year on yeah. year, and it, 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 they, they would just go off eventually. They would get, they used to get so old. Um, but it, it, again, it reminded me that um, there was there's someone that came into group the other day, and it reminded me of. of uh, uh, of something I didn't actually get involved in it but I've heard it a lot is where um, <clears throat> the drinks cupboards get raided okay so often happens when you are you know you're, you, you're, you're, you're an alcoholic you're in need of a drink you're either in you know in your own house and there's your partner yeah. you're hiding it from your partner so you, you raid the drinks cabinet yeah. um, <clears throat> and, or I used to perhaps if I was at someone's house Mm-hmm. I would perhaps sneak one if I was out working somewhere, for example. I would probably. I don't think I nicked any of yours, mate. Because so don't look <laughs> at me like that. I don't think I've had a drink. <clears throat> <laughs> no, you probably not. You, you hit it How away. would you do that? How would you do that? Well, it's. it's um, I, I think you, you do become quite resourceful um, because you've had a lot of people come in and into groups and tell us that they've they've drunk a lot of the the vodka yeah. or the gin and replace it with water. Right. Okay. So they take all the gin out and put water in the bottle. Yeah. Um, or they would just take, they'd drink some of it out on top of that up with water, but it meant the next drink then wasn't going to be as as, as nice for them. Um, and then eventually it would come to light normally when, when their partner or someone else would pick it up and pour themselves out a drink. And it would just be watery. Um, but someone took it up to another level the other day, and this was just last week someone came in, and she said that she used to... Um, Drink most of the red wine out of a out of a bottle. Yeah, and at home. Then, at home. Yeah, uh, she'd pour it all out and she'd drink that, and then she'd replace that with water with with food colouring in it. So she took a t- t- she, <laughs> well, she was really trying hard. Uh, it's an absolute science. She get she used to get it just about right, the right colouring, and pop, pop the cork back in uh, and put it all back in the cupboard. And then and again she got caught because someone pulled one out another time. It, that, it just it just tasted of nothing really. Well, that's mental. <laughs> Because in a green bottle, you can't even see the colour of the no, you can't. Liquid anyway. No, no, uh, it's, there's there's no real um, logic to it. But you feel better in yourself if you replace it. Yeah, I know. Is that I know right? Yeah, you can, yeah, but I know you're laughing. But no, it's, that's, it's, that's it's, right. I was just thinking of we used to have a drinks cabinet at home when I was growing up, and I'd say probably once a year when I was a kid, when I was in the house on my own, I used to have a little route through the drinks cabinet, have a little taste of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did that as well. Nothing yeah. much tasted very nice. About the only thing I can remember having a, you know, a scant fondness for was a sweet sherry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember going through the apricot and cherry brandy as a yeah. kid. Oh, yeah, there was always cherry that, brandy. That was always there, wasn't it? Cherry brandy, yeah. I, I, I wonder if they're still... Um, it's still in people's cabinets these days. I, I rather doubt it. I it is. Anyway, get, should we get yeah. back onto Elton John? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I remember I did go and see Elton John at, uh, at Leeds Castle mm-hmm. several years ago. I was still married and we went up there. It was a corporate event, so we were being entertained. And we went up to the Leeds Castle there. And I remember it was outside. It was a lovely evening and we were all in rows of chairs. And 
I was really only interested in getting a chair that was close to the to the bar, the outside <laughs> that had outside bars yeah. scattered around the the grounds. And I found that as long as I was near to one of those, I could slide off and ha- have a few drinks. And so even at that point, then even though I wasn't I wasn't um, f- fully blown into my addiction, it was still a big part of my life. And I, I remember I remember the, the the concert being reasonable, but I think it it took the edge of it because I. I wasn't able to get enough drink, really, so I couldn't fully enjoy it. Yeah, you so, couldn't really lose yourself to the music. No, I couldn't, and I think it's a shame, really, because obviously he's a bit of an icon, isn't he? And, yeah, well, you know, yeah, but in a way, it's it's kind of symptomatic of the whole condition, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, you couldn't fully experience the uh, Elton John phenomenon. No. no. But that's a kind of microcosm of how your life is when yeah. you're pickled all the time isn't yeah, it? yeah very much so. can't really enjoy anything properly can you no, no you can't not really in it no you can't but I, I remember that and I remember again going back to the Graham Norton interview he was saying that um, you know he got to the point 29 years ago when he was he was suffering from bulimia and he was taking an excess of, of drugs and drink and he said he got to the point he just had enough yeah and I think we all get to that point eventually you speak to any uh, any alcoholic, any addict going into recovery, you just just get to that point where you've, you're fed up with being fed up and you've just had enough. But he said the, the, the big turning point for him was asking for help. Yeah. And I remember that, um, you know, how desperate I was not to ask for help because mm. I wanted to maintain the position I was in. But once I did, I found it, I found it really cathartic, and I've been able to help, ask for help for all sorts of things ever since. Yeah, it must be. I think I think it's broken down. I don't know if it's sort of machismo or something that I was really unhappy about doing. But I, I know as a child, it was always drummed into me that you didn't cry. Yeah. You know, if you hurt yourself, you know, it wasn't manly. Yeah. And and I've, it, that sort of carried through with me really. And and so asking for help for me was an absolute sign of weakness but now I can see it's a, it's a real strength yeah you've become you an absolute nuisance now okay, yeah. <laughs> ask out for everyone forever yeah. asking for oh, I, I know yeah well, no yes. I, it absolutely is a absolutely is a strength um, you know I, I think that's true it's one of the things that stops people coming into therapy for any reason the stigma attached to it or the perceived stigma they think oh you know I should be able to sort this out on my own I hear that a lot and I hear from people often, uh, oh, I could, you know, other people have got so much worse problems than I have. Yeah. And of course, pain is not comparable. Pain's pain. You, you don't have to com- compare it with anybody else. It is what it is. And and so, you know, reaching that point where you feel able to ask for help, I think, is a great sign of strength. Yeah, it is. It is. But I think it's quite interesting to talk about the uh, 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 comparable because certainly I always used to try and find people that drank more than me. To convince myself I wasn't an alcoholic, yeah, uh, I've, it became more and more difficult. That's for sure. As the time went by, yeah. I didn't find anyone that was drinking as much as I was. But it was uh, it, it, it's some of the madness you're going through. And I think that um, you know, um, Elton John was was saying about exactly the same thing. You know, you go through a turmoil of uh, and denial of saying, "No, I haven't got a problem." Yes, I have. No, I haven't. Um, and he eventually, after he asked for help. He, he did what we always recommend in groups is to take as much time out as possible away from your normal life put everything else on hold and concentrate wholly and fully on your recovery it's been quite but, difficult for him uh, we, well it was but he had to, again the financial resources to just take a, a year out yeah he took a year out and he went off to a uh, to, to rehab out in, uh, in America and he was able to get himself straight over that time and I think that um, the people I, I know 
for a fact that people that I, I talk to in groups, they don't change their lifestyle. They'll rush back to their job as soon as they possibly can, yeah. which, you know, we all have financial constraints. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's not unusual, but they rush back and it's almost a surefire way of, of not allocating enough time to recovery. Yeah. It's a surefire way of, of, of getting back to your old habits, especially if that job had, was in, in any way linked to you're drinking. Re- you drinking and yeah. the reasons you took drugs or you and, and you yeah so if there's a big social element to your work yeah and you know there is a there's a, a constant opportunity to be drinking to go back to that work too soon is is a massive trigger isn't it yeah it is and it is i know we've talked about it before about making holistic changes to your lifestyle yeah. and it's really important um and and he he did exactly that I was just thinking, it must have been quite a shock for everyone else in uh, in in group sessions when he went into rehab. That Elton John singing, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. But then I suppose because everybody in that room will be, they'll all have something in common. Yeah, I guess that that it's a great leveler, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It's 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 very much so. Probably I've, nobody asked him to you know get on the piano I, I, I suspect it would have been wild before they he would have agreed to that certainly yeah. I, was, yeah. I, I, I was thinking about his entourage that he had to leave behind for a year you know yeah. sort of you know, just I suppose they sort of stayed on the payroll cl- clicking their heels for a, yeah yeah they probably did yeah yeah. but I think that um, the, 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 the a point that he made at a game which I, I found uh, interesting because he, he he was at that position where he was he was going into into early stages of recovery and he, he really felt at that point that he was the only one. He was the only one with this condition before he asked for help. Right. And I remember feeling that as well. And, and again, it's something that, um, that is great about having uh, a group to go to and sitting in groups with other people is because it is this, this common bond. And you find out that, that there's loads of other people that have been acting in, in a really irrational way in, in a similar manner that you have. Do you think that uh, uh, feeling that people have that they're the only one and that, they're unique in some way and that nobody else is um, struggling in the way they are or no one else is as shameful as they are or whatever. Do you think that's one of the things that prevents people from going into recovery? Because I'm kind of wondering, why is it that some people will get to the point where they say, actually, I've had enough now, I need some help, and other people never get there? Shame is a big thing. Again, going back to that, not, not asking for help. Mm. Um unless something happens where you have to ask for help or you really convince yourself it is time to ask for help, you, you, you carry on mm-hmm. and you inevitably, inevitably you, you end up dying. Yeah. And so it is, you do get to that crossroads where you, you do have to make a decision. You either ask for help or you throw the towel in and it's a very painful, slow suicide at that point. So it's, um, I found it, uh, that the time came as a result of a lot of different circumstances coming together. Mm. but So there isn't, isn't really one point. It's a slow drift into addiction, and it's a pretty slow drift out of it as well. So that's quite an important, important uh, observation, isn't it? Because what you're really saying there is there isn't a middle road. You either ask for help or yeah. eventually it's going to kill you. Oh, uh, totally. Because you're totally. not going to just climb out of it yourself, are you? If suddenly you, decide one day, actually, I'm going to stop now. You know, the, the people that would be able to do that would be very few and far between. Yeah, they would. I think the middle road that most people would see it would be going back being a social drinker, um, yeah. which, which we know. And, and a yeah. lot of people go into recovery thinking that's what they're going to be able to do. Yeah. Um, it's very common. And, yeah. and I, when I went into recovery and went off to detox, I thought, well, I'll go to detox. I'll get sorted out. 
And, you know, I'd be better go back and just be a normal drinker again. And there but, wasn't. Because you'd never been a normal drinker. So you couldn't go back to being no, a normal drinker, well, well, could you, well, really? That's, that's right. I mean, it's, it's a misconception. Yeah. I mean, what is a normal drinker? Um, from from the outside looking in now, I'd say a normal drinker is probably someone like you who could have one now and again, one, a couple of drinks a week, yeah. you know, or you know, under the government uh, limits. Yeah. And, and that, that's pretty normal. Or sociable drinking. But I think another uh, point that came up, which I related to, was that um, he now... He now treats drink and drugs uh, like he would do an ex, um, which is is sort of strange because, you know, as as an addict, I I, I grieved for, for for my alcohol, yeah. and it was it was very much like a bereavement, mm. and it is like or it's like you know losing a, a, a cherished girlfriend, mm. it's, which, it's, which is also kind of a bereavement. It is, yeah, very much so, um, and he in fact he he wrote a letter to his ex, and. Um, and I did the same at the time when I was under the Choices Program with Kenwood Trust after I'd done my detox, the rehab and the community course, yeah. um, the three-month course I was on. Um, we did that in, in one of the uh, one of the one of the programs I was on, or one of the uh, one of the modules. We did actually write a letter to our to our to our to our, uh, our ex, effectively, to, right. to drink and to drugs. Oh, so it was a letter addressed to drink. Yeah, it was, yeah. To your vodka. Yeah, it was, really. And, and, you know, you, it's, you let, let out all your anger and, and your pain and, and, you, and you chat with it, effectively. Like you'd write a letter to, perhaps to a girlfriend, bringing your relationship to a close. Was there any... That's interesting. But was there any... Were there any different rules? Because I'm thinking about, you know, sometimes I ask people to write therapeutic letters, which are different in some... Kind of small but significant ways from the way that you might write a normal letter, or were you just writing a letter as if, you know, in the same way as you would write a letter to a person? Yeah, we was writing it as if it, if it's to a person, right. and it was it was bringing stuff to an end, really. Yeah. And so you're closing that relationship you had with drink and drugs. Yeah. Um, but what we also did afterwards, uh, we took it outside and we burnt it. Yes. Yeah, because it's a letter that's never going to be sent. Exactly, exactly. We put put it into a pile and burnt it. And I remember there was a few of us having a. We treated it as a bit of a laugh at the time, doing this standing around this little bonfire, this this um, incinerator, and mm. we put our letters in. Uh, and I think well, it wasn't until afterwards I thought about the significance of yeah, it. Yeah, it's very can be very powerful that sort of thing. Yeah, um, and so I, I found it um, quite interesting that um, whether um, Elton John had done that under. You know, under a program, and they said this is what you must do, or whether he just felt he needed to do it. Mm, he probably um, got Bernie Torp into writing. He probably <laughs> did. <yeah. laughs> I reckon that'd be a nice. He could have written, if it had kept that rather than yeah. burn it or throw it away, it'd made a cracking song, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially if Torp was involved, it'd be <laughs> definite number one. <laughs> um, also used this phrase, which I found was quite interesting. He said that early sobriety was like it was like the hole in the donut. All right. He said, right. "Yeah, yeah." He said, "It's, it's like a, it's, it's, it's like there's something missing out of your life. Oh, okay. There's a hole. There's an emptiness. Yeah, and and that hole represented the, the the drink and the drugs that were no longer part of the part of the hole. Mm. I hadn't heard that before, but it's I, I found that quite an interesting analogy. Mm. You see, I prefer a donut with a hole in it. Yeah, well, yeah, you do really, don't you? But I, well, I, I suppose to, uh, to me, I like the, I like I like a nice and full, pumped full of uh, jam and, and cream and that sort of thing. Yeah, rather than that hole in the middle. I feel like I'm being shortchanged a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but what he did, the analogy he was using that was because he wanted to lead on to the point, but he said he's now filling that hole up effectively by by giving back. 
Um, he set up the AIDS Foundation and he's, he's, he helps fellow addicts in, in other areas as well. And, and it's exactly the same. We always encourage people um, when they start to get themselves straightened out to to help run the groups, yeah. you know, to co-facilitate and leading on to facilitating because you find at that point it does underpin your own recovery when you start to give back. It starts to give you a bit of, a bit of self-worth and your self-esteem starts to get a little bit boosted mm-hmm. and you're passing on the baton of recovery to those people following you. And I don't see it as a duty or a calling, but I see it, certainly see it as, as something which is, is desirable for your own recovery as well as the, the person following you. Yeah. I would like to just sort of ending up here, really, but something which um, I know that uh, you and I have discussed in the past, that Elton John did disclose that he he keeps all his records and his CDs in pristine condition and in alphabetical order. No, he didn't. So thank you very much, no, Elton. Didn't. Did he really say he that? He did say that, yeah. Yeah, well, you, you, you watch the Graham Norton well, show. Why, look why, at, why, are you, why are you bringing that up? Because you always take the mickey out of me for doing that and say yeah. it's an obsessive behaviour. It's obviously a... Addicts' behaviour. I think. Well, I think I did. We did a, a bit of a straw poll on it, if I remember rightly, on Facebook at one time on exactly this issue. Yeah. And I think we found quite a lot of people uh, they, did. We could hardly use. say there was a statistical significance <laughs> to that. <laughs> well, I took it as is it's uh, the, the people that do that are properly organised and <laughs> rather than recovering addicts. Oh, but no, I'm that uh, <laughs> part, part and parcel of, of the same thing. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, but you take it to its nth degree, don't you? I seem to remember when we were. We were in Canterbury. We got to see John Cooper Clark. Do you yeah. Remember when we were looking in that window of that shop and they had vinyl hanging up. Oh yes. Outside of its covers. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, yeah. you you broke out into a cold sweat. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to go home. I did. I, was, I thought I'll leave the great JCC to one side. I'm off on my toes, mate. I'm home. Can't deal with this trauma. <laughs> anyway, I think I, I, I think I've probably very pro- interesting. I think I've wrapped up Elton John. Yeah. He's, he's a good guy. He's a fellow That's addict. And uh, if you're listening, Elton. You know, give us a call, mate. We'll have a chat. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll have to go and seek out that interview with Graham Norton. It sounds good. It, so, it um, is. I recommend it. Okay, so good. So um, maybe we should get the guitar out then. Do a couple of rounds of uh, a bit of Rocket Man. Yeah, or Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> well, I know you. You have a whole repertoire. I remember. Um, certainly, I remember coming to to watch you play uh, just an acoustic set on your own. Sometimes I think it might have even been in the Minstrel in Maidstone. Yeah, probably. And I think Rocket Man was on your. I probably I did certainly used to do Rocket Man. It was on your set list then. Yeah, I don't know if I did any other Elton John. No, I think that's probably the only one. But it was it was it was it was a passable version. Yeah, thanks. It was be- it was better than the version of uh, of the Laughing Gnome that we talked about earlier on. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right context to put it in. Yeah, no. Well, you know, I'll take what I can get. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, we'll do okay. that. Yeah. Cheers, uh, mate. See you next week. Later's. Bye. Bye. Sideways was created by Graham Landy and Martin Pankhurst. If you want to read more about our work, visit grahamlandywellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways dash podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and you can email us with any comments or questions. Well, finally, we want to thank you for listening and ask that if you've enjoyed what you've heard, that you spread the word. And we'll see you next week. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Till touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home Oh no, no, no Cause I'm a rocket man Rocket man Burning down the fuse out here alone And I think it's gonna be a long, long time 
think it's gonna be a long, long time And I think it's gonna be a long, long time